Times Like These from the Foo Fighters 2002 album, One by One. This band is great. They are on their A game on this song and this album. Uh, we've got so much to talk about today. Uh, Patrick Shipley from the band Faith Heads with us. And as you can imagine, there's a lot going on in these times we're talking about. So there's a lot to talk about today. So buckle up, stay tuned. We're ready to rock. Welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word, one song and a few verses at a time. Here's your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Song and Verse Podcast. I am your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. We're so happy you've decided to join us today. There was so much going on in the world of music in the early 2000s, and there was a lot going on in the world as well. Um, you know, I think about uh, 9-11 in 2001 and a lot of tragedy that came from that. And then many years afterwards, you know, wars and, and uh, just a lot of destruction going on. And when you think about this song, Times Like These, it really starts to talk about the difficulties in life and how you reset and how you figure out a way to just continue living and how you learn to change direction, move in a different manner, and just maybe be a better person in certain aspects of life. And today, Patrick Shipley's going to be with us on this episode, uh, the bassist from the band Faithhead, and also a content contributor to JesusWire.com. And I'm telling you what, Patrick brings a lot of insight to some of this, and he really, really helps bring in what the whole COVID and just the, the civil unrest going on right now, how we can look at that a little differently and how we can take this time to be who Christ has called us to be. So this is going to be great, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And with that, today we have with us Patrick Shipley from the band Faithhead. He plays bass for them, and he's also a columnist for JesusWire.com. How's it going, Patrick? Uh, it's going good. Rockin' on, Todd. It's good to see you again. <laughs> you too, man. So you guys are doing some crazy moving up there. It's It's been a little tough for us to get together. Yes, uh, and and I tell you what, I've I, I miss our conversations, and uh, hopefully I'm, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm hoping it's not my death, but uh, right now I'm I'm boy, hoping it's boy just, every, every day is we're lucky just to wake up, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm wanting to know what door we walk through and <laughs> to enter the twilight zone because every day it's something different, it seems. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's like we're literally living out an episode of the twilight zone. Well, and what's kind of crazy is the last time you and I met up was in November for a show that Faith yep. had did down in Florida and it almost kind of began began with that because most Novembers are not that cold in Florida. For whatever reason, you guys brought some of that down with you. <laughs> we did. You can blame us for that. That's fine. Uh, it's okay. You're welcome. Hey, well, you know, it, being an old Kentucky boy, when it gets a little cool in Florida, I don't have a problem with it, but the, 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 the natives get a little restless though. So <laughs> you um, have real winners up there in Kentucky. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, so times like these is, is the song from the Foo Fighters we're going to be talking about today. And boy, you're right. It's like, you know, twilight zone, what door opened up and what kind of time are we living in? So, you know, yeah. kind of let that, that, that be the lead here, but I also want to hear just in general, you know, 
you've been in music a while and you've been a fan of music for a long time. So when it comes to your life and your faith and that moment when you said, look, Christ is the answer, how did that all culminate? Well, I mean, it was a series of um, huge leaps forward and, you know, several steps back. And, and it's a series of realizations that, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, I, I found Christ early mm -hmm. you know, as I was nine years old. And then, but, you know, at a nine year old, you're innocent. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into middle school and you know, as a teenager, I was 13, you know, I didn't know anything about sex or anything like that. Sure. And, um, and where music kind of ties all that in, you know, I was 13, 13 years old, 1988, watching this band called Montley Crew and this other no-name band on stage called Guns N' Roses using words I'd never heard before, one starting with F and, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a very confusing time talking about, uh, you know, you know, oral sex terms that you've never heard before and things like that. And right. so that started my, my first initial tumble, you know, away from God trying to, you know, what is all this stuff? And uh, then ultimately returning at the age of 16 and then answering a call to preach at 18. Mm -hmm. And then after I got into college, you know, it was like a whole new world, you know, of, uh, depravity this so to speak and and that's where you know i kind of i went i was buck wild for a number of years mm -hmm. uh, after that you know i kind of I, I got some you know i think i may have told you this i got some bad advice because i was i was like my sophomore year in college there was a part of me that just wanted to go to like bible school and i just wanted to study the bible and um uh, just let my life go in that direction. And then there was a friend who I trusted dearly. He said, you know what? You need to live your life before you, you should tell people how to live theirs. Mm. And, uh, was not good advice because, you know, at the time I'm like, yeah, I think I can, I can do some more partying and more women. You know, that sounds like that was keen advice, you know, young and dumb there. I'm like, yeah, I should, I should live my life. And it's, uh, it's funny that that parallels a lot of what uh, <laughs> I saw in college too. you know, some dudes that went off to seminary and things of that nature and kind of came back with that same mindset. And I'm like, what, what exactly kind of happened there? <laughs> but, you know, it, it was what was meant to be because, you know, the, the scars of those years of being a prodigal, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, have taught me that they, they've humbled me to a point where I've learned over the years that God does not call the perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is the, the biggest lie that Satan tries to sell the world is if you're going to be Christian, you got to be perfect. All oh, right. And right. Look at the Bible it is replete with examples of these imperfect people uh, that he calls to do his work. And, you know, people like Jonah, Jonah was a racist. Right. And, you know, there, and then after he did what God, you know, forget the whale part, you know, where he, you know, dies in the belly of the whale and gets spit back up and is alive again and all that. And then he goes and does what God tells him to do. Then he gets mad 
Right. These people are, you know, these, his enemies is the, and then he cries about it. Right. Know? Right. I mean, it's a, just one of many examples you can pick out Moses, Paul, you know, well, and, 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 and the, the, the story that kind of brings you and I together, you know, of Alice Cooper, right. You know, with, with, uh, you know, Fridays with Alice, that's kind of where you and I have met and really, you know, started this relationship and, you know, modern day prodigal tale. Right. And, and a, <laughs> you want to look at Alice Cooper, the character and the man, it's almost like, a tale of biblical proportion and parallels a lot of biblical characters as well. So yeah, I got an opportunity to actually talk about uh, Alice and how, how his music kept me tied to my faith during those prodigal years mm -hmm. on our J radio playlist. They asked faith head if we would, which is J J radio is a part of J one Oh three here in Chattanooga. And, um, they asked us to do a, a playlist of some of our favorite artists. And I, and I included some Alice Cooper songs and, and the one second coming that I always credit is, you know, hearing the church bells and, the, and from my, my uh, duplex, right. You know, just convicting my heart and I, you know, I always credit that, but uh, yeah, Alice Cooper, you know, I don't think people, you know, people realize, you know, how, how deep, you know, the gospel is rooted in a lot of his music mm -hmm. because, you know, Alice is a mirror, but yeah. uh, definitely the tie there, you know, is, and I've, I've enjoyed this relationship and I'm looking forward to, you know, pointing out all the other things. And I mean, Alice is not the only one. I mean, there's definitely. other bands as well definitely that definitely. have got a message that I think is God sent, but uh and that's really where, you know, song and verse and this whole podcast is heading as well. Um, uh, it's, it's almost like God has, has swung the door open, so to speak, for other people to come in and talk yeah. and, and really share and look into the lives of so many musicians that, that have been touched that way. So that's, it's pretty awesome to see God leading out through Alice to guys like you and other uh, people that have been on this show that have been able to come and express that as well. So, well, you know what the irony is, is that, uh, you know, I, I, we talked, we talked earlier off camera talking about things being cyclical mm -hmm. and uh, things, you know, you know, and again, you know, after I got married and uh, I came back to God, you know, in a serious way, and this is ultimately where faith had started. I did a purge again, for the last time of my CD collection where I took out all the, because I went back, you know, over the years and rebought the Slayer, rebought the Danzig, I rebought the Aussie. And I, and I, and I realized that, you know, garbage in garbage out. Now, now granted, you know, 14 years later, well, it's more than 14 years now, but after I did that, but I realized I can, I can go back and listen to that stuff with a more keen sure. eye or ear. And there's some definite truth in, in some of that as well. So well, there are, there, there are, it, but it doesn't affect me, you sure. know, like it used to. Mm -hmm. And I think people don't realize how much, how powerful mm. music is. The song and the verse part of music bypasses the brain, goes straight into the heart and soul of a person. Mm -hmm. And, I don't care what anybody says, you know, bands like Rage Against the Machine, 
you know, they pushing a political agenda through music is just as strong as it is through social media or the news. Sure. And, you know, music has always been a part of communicating a message. Well, and, and you know, there, there's, there's a, a guy that I've spoken that we spoke to in a few episodes back uh, by the name of Christopher Long that brought up a really good point about, you know, we can listen to the same album over and over and over and over again. It becomes part of us, but it's the same way with scripture. You know, he, he'd been like questioned many times, like, why do you keep reading it over and over again? Why do you keep reading it? Didn't you soak it up the first time? And he's like, no, there's more to be, be found that I didn't see the first time around. It's the same way with music. You know, the more you do it, the more, the more it becomes a part of you. And, and so you're right. Everything that you're saying there makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I'm I'm, sure, I'm happy that I'm making sense today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of songs that, uh, you know, that are metaphors that uh, I just think that it has to have some form of divine inspiration. But then again, as a listener, we also imprint our own meanings on a lot of songs, like, especially like this song, like times like these, mm-hmm. I mean, there is a, if you were of the Christian perspective, I mean, th- to me, there's almost a prodigal, there is a prodigal element to it that, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why I like this song so much, but I mean, if there was a, ever a song and I can't remember exactly when this song came out, but it's that so one, I believe. I had it written out oh, 2002. It was on yeah. the one by one album. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those songs that in those first few notes kick in, you can just feel it swelling up in your heart. You know, it's definitely a, it's a song that takes me to a good place and a, a song that uh, musically, which is not, oh, it's not overly complicated, but it, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it projects an energy Ultimately, I think that is positive and is introspective and has greater meaning than what's written. Right. Looking at it in black and white. Well, and, and from that, from that aspect, you know, were there any particular lyrics? And and before we go there, you know, the, the funny thing is we, you know, like you said, we were talking a little bit off camera and we talked about this song months ago. Oh Yeah before this whole COVID thing went down or the, the unrest in the public and all this stuff that we're seeing on the news even took place. Before so, it really hit the fan. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was like, you saw the, you saw the arm dra- drawn back. Right. And the fan blades are turning, but you didn't. Yeah. Society hadn't stopped yet. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It was kind of in the media kind of floating around out there that this was an issue, but since then, it's like, you know, I've, I mean, I've seen memes and videos of everybody. You know, I saw this one girl post something about her having a conversation with herself from like three or four months prior. You know, that, that prior self was like, what? What are you talking about? Toilet paper and, you know, all these other things <laughs> in the scenario. Really? And um, yeah, totally, totally. So, so you're, you're onto something there. Are, but are there certain lines in this song that, that, hit you the most or is it the musical dynamics or what? Well, it's got a great bass line. I will say that as a bassist, 
Well, I, you, I, I never, I never suspected you might pick out a baseline and like it. You know. Well, you know, I do like Inagata Davida because it opens up with a great baseline. Definitely. Iron butterfly for you, for you flower power people. Yeah. Um, you know, when the COVID thing hit, this was the song that clicked automatically in my mental jukebox. I was, I was off work for two weeks, and I just remember. I was standing outside and my neighbor across the street who I, you know, I've had, Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Hope you're you doing all right. Yeah. But we never really had a real conversation. And we got to talking about, you know, his son, Donovan, Donovan, you know, Donovan loves, loves Lightning McQueen. And, you know, I'm starting to learn, you know, a little bit about this family has been living across just, you know, 20 steps away for maybe five three or four or five years. Right. And I've never as a Christian, and I knew he was a Christian mm-hmm. fellow because, you know, we would see each other come out Sunday morning. Here we are. We're all pulling into our cars, drive away to our mutual churches of uh, worship. Right. And we're all coming back in at lunchtime, you know, given the, Hey, how you doing? But I, you know, I just thinking to myself, it's times like these, I've learned to live again mm. because had I not been home during those two weeks, I would have never had an opportunity to walk across the street and stand at my neighbor's fence and talk to him. Yeah. You know why? Because we're doing this all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, you know, and, I, and I've thought, you know, over the last few weeks, months, really, it's been three or four months now, as we've cleaned out our house, you know, I think we've probably, you know, I've taken, I'm I'm almost embarrassed to say this, how many, I'm probably well in the double digits, van loads of stuff I've taken to Goodwill, Mm. clothes, you know, toys that my kids no longer play with. And I think, you know, just my mental jukebox going off. It's times like these, you learn to give again. You know, and just, you know, and I'm, you know, I found these two chairs, little plastic chairs that we had bought, you know, for like one of the girls' birthday parties. And of course, I've got three girls and, you know, there were some boys coming over. So I had these little Lightning McQueen chairs that we bought. So no boys had to sit into a, a frozen princess chair. And I found them in the garage. And I'm like, Donovan, Donovan loves Lightning McQueen. I should take it to my neighbor and give it to him. And I took, you know, had that not happened, you know, I would have just chunked it into the dumpster, you know, or whatever it was. And then and I got to thinking about it, you know, it is times like these. I, you learn to love people again mm-hmm. because you, you see something that means maybe nothing to you, but it mean, could mean everything to them. And the cyclical nature of it, the, and it's times like these time and time again, you could be talking about somebody who's lost their home in a tornado, we had a bad, bad, you know, we were talking about, you know, what, what verse of the Bible were of revelation that we're living in right now in Chattanooga, we just got hit back in March when all this crazy stuff with COVID started. Is right that the before, same one that went through Nashville? Yeah, yeah. Same one that went through Nashville, carried all across uh, Mont Eagle mountain tore right through uh, Chattanooga, took out my, my lot, my Masonic lodge. I'm a part of, we do all kinds of charity work for uh, Tennessee Baptist children's home. It's going to have to be demolished to the ground. Wow. Man, there's so many people lost their homes. I have two, two Lodge brothers who lost their homes. But you could take that same song and apply it to that. You learn to live again. How do you live 
without a home. Right. How do you, I mean, and that's one of the things about, you know, being a musician out on the road, you learn what the bare necessities are. Mm. What do you take with you out on the road and you know what you don't take, you know, you don't know real, you don't know how much a shower means to you until right. you're on the road for two or three days and you don't get one. Well, it, you know, one of the interesting things for me was when, when you brought this song up, uh, I hadn't listened to the Foo Fighters in a long time, and they are a great band, man. Dave Grohl and just that whole dynamic. I mean, you know, you could go down a rabbit hole about Nirvana, but I often wonder how much Dave Grohl was the integral part of that band looking at where the Foo Fighters are now. I don't know. Well, uh... I hate to make this confession right off the bat. Right. When Foo Fighters came out, I didn't like them. Right. <laughs> I really did not <laughs> like them at all. And I don't know. I mean, and I, I tell you when I did. Okay. I did come to like the Foo Fighters. They were on tour with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this was a long time ago. And they were just kind of coming into being a big band. Sure. I think after this tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they were the headliner after that. I think it was the By The Way tour for Chili Peppers, whatever it was. But I did not, I just, you know, up to that point, I didn't hear anything in the music that mm -hmm. I liked. Sure. But I tell you, the, that, that they definitely They definitely evolved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what I loved, what made me a believer in the Foo Fighters after that, was David Grohl, we're standing, you know, I'm, I'm at like in the nosebleed on the far left if you're facing the stage. Sure. And I'm, I kind of had like a side stage view from above. Mm -hmm. And he hops down off the stage and he runs out into the crowd. And he actually ran up into our section. Wow. And I mean, I was probably 20 feet away from him. He just kind of ran in. And then ran out and there was a part of me. It's like, I bet I could tackle him and take his Epiphone or not his Epiphone, <laughs> but his Gibson Explorer guitar. <laughs> There's a split second. But after that moment, I'm like, he actually cares yeah. enough about the fans that are in the sucky seats. Yeah. Run up there and shock them. You know, well, and, and there's, and there's numerous uh, YouTube videos showing that kind of stuff too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, and, and, and that, and, and, and it made an impression on me not only as a, as a fan, but as a musician as well to, to give that moment back mm -hmm. to those, you know, and I always try to, I'm not like I'm somebody famous or anything like that, but you know, people come, you know, when I find out people come a distance to see us play, um, it's like when we were down in Florida, um, CJ, I know him now as CJ is Charles, but, uh, he drove all the way from the other side of Florida comes in. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm like that, that is somebody I want to know. Sure. That's somebody I want to create a relationship with. If I've done something that has impacted them, write a song, whatever it is, it comes all the way to come see me play. I want to have a relationship with that person. Sure. And, um, and that's the way we were designed to be anyway, as far as creation's concerned. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about relationships and mm. you know, I, I don't know, you know, what else to add to that. You know, it, it's, um, but the Foo Fighters, you know, after that, 
I'm not a fan of their first album at all, but I mean, there's a few songs I like. I have to go back to something I said before off camera. I kind of have a punk attitude mm-hmm. in some way. I'm like the anti whatever is cool. And, you know, Nirvana, I, I had a couple, you know, I had like Nevermind and what was the one that followed it in utero, but that was it. You know, I, I didn't, I came out of that, you know, my influences came out of the eighties where music was something that was master, you know, the, the eighties guys, the shredders and the, uh, but Nirvana, when Nirvana came out, they were completely the opposite. They were like, not, it was not clean and over, it wasn't overly produced. Mm -hmm. And there was a part of me that liked it because again, I'm kind of the punk guy. And then there was the element of, uh, you know, it just kind of killed, it killed the hair bands. Right. And and some of those hair bands were just starting to take off too. Oh yeah. You had, I think you had some casualties, whether you want to admit it, like Skid Row mm-hmm. kind of came in on the skirt tails of uh, Guns N' Roses. That, yeah. You know, they gotten out of the bands that had kind of came in the tail end of the glam scene, but made that quick conversion over like monthly crew did where they, they ditched their, uh, their, uh, their lace for, you know, jeans, jeans and leather. Sure. And the hairspray was combed out. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess a part of the, the, the trail that I was heading down a little bit with Foo Fighters is for me, you know, best of you, monkey wrench, um, times like Backed these actors. do what? Backed actors. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when I was thinking of, of times like these, I was already in that mindset of, of Foo Fighters after you brought that up. And then, then best of you were, it almost kind of meshed together for me because it's like in times like these, you know, God's asking for the best of us. Yeah. And not that we shouldn't be striving for that on a daily basis, but like you're saying, it's like, you know, here I am taking time to talk to somebody that, it's been right there in, in yeah, for years. Right. Right. And, and I, I even kind of noticed myself, you know, whether you're wearing the mask or whether you're six feet apart or whatever it is for me, it's, it's like, there's this common decency to just think about what the other person's going through. And I don't know that I was necessarily doing that on a daily basis. Like I should have been before. It's almost like this catapulted me back into that, that mutual respect category. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think people talk about technology, especially social media, how it has connected everybody. Mm -hmm. I think there's a definitive argument saying, you know, and that it's actually segregating us uh, along um, political lines. It's probably segregating us along, you know, so many different ways. I mean, there, you could parse it out in so many different categories. We, you know, we, you know, before we were talking off camera and talking about different podcasts and things like that, it's very easy, very easy to wind up in an echo chamber and just yeah. hearing ideas and what you think back to you. And, and, and it's one of those things I struggle try not to get into an echo chamber. You know, there's a lot of people that I just really, I, I like what, you know, some people say, talking about Candace Owens. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she brings a very interesting perspective 
course, I'm not female. Of course, I'm not African-American either. And she brings a very different uh, perspective, it seems like, from other African-American females. But, you know, I'd, there are some that love, you know, Candace Owens and some that hate. But, well, and, and you brought up Joe Rogan off camera, too. And, yeah. you know, for, for some of our audience, you know, I get it. His mouth could be kind of foul-mouthed and everything else. But there's a talking point and a narrative. And the thing I love about Joe Rogan is he don't care. He just wants to sit down and talk. Yeah, he, I don't think he I, – I, I can't I've, – I've watched enough, I think, over the years of his podcast. I don't see a clear agenda other than getting on there and asking questions. Yeah. I mean, he wants – why do you think that? Well, and, and, I, and that's what this used to all be about. My point is – I'm listening to different perspectives other than conservative white people. Right. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, it's like, I'm trying to expose my, my mental immune system to other ways of thinking and how other people, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not getting offended because someone thinks differently than I do. Well, and I think that's important, especially from a, you know, American perspective. That's what's been founded on, so to speak. And, and, and going, you know, kind of tying the song back into this mm-hmm. discussion, there was a reason why we, we, we said we we're going to talk about this one, is we're, we're going to have to learn to live again mm-hmm. as Americans. Uh, the whole gist of, yeah, you know, as a Christian, I want to share the gospel with people. I want to compel them to look at Jesus Christ. That's, that's my sole job is to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in my faith am I supposed to convert someone. There's no, you know, I think, you know, this is one of, if I had a critique of Joe Rogan, I've, I've, I've only, I can only point to one person that I know he's had on his cast that is, an, you know, obviously a Christian, but he never talks about faith. Mm-hmm. He's never had like a Jay Warner Wallace on there, an apologist or a, a Dr. Frank Turek. I would have loved to have seen Joe Rogan sit down and talk to Ravi Zacharias. Sure. That would have been a phenomenal, but he never, you know, it would have been a phenomenal interview or even a John Lennox. Mm -hmm. John Lennox would be a phenomenal, you know, math, mathematician, you know, believer, apologist. I I want him to have those people on there too, because, you know, faith is a real thing. Yeah. I mean, even Francis Scott Collins and to, to bring in, you know, not just some Joe Schmo off the street that says he has faith, but someone you know, learning. Right, right. Not and, only in theology, but in science. Right. There, there's just as many learned mm-hmm. believers of science. You know, Newton, his whole thing of learning about the natural world was his, to become more knowledgeable of his God, you know, who created it. Well, and, and I, I think another interesting point with, with that, and, and I don't mean to go down that, that, that rabbit hole but we're talking about a lot of people that went out trying to disprove the faith as well. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're at the feet of Jesus saying, Nope, this is actually legit. You, well, know? That's, you know, that's Jay Warner Wallace's. Yeah. He was a cold case uh, detective in LA. And I yeah. think that would be somebody easy for him to get on there. Yeah. But, at Lee Strobel even from the Chicago Tribune would be. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a very popular one too. Right, right, definitely. But you know, but what what I'm scared of, it seems like freedom of speech of all things is is 
so under attack because it might offend somebody. You know, they're pulling Aunt Jemima. They're right. pulling the land Without of looking at the stories behind these things, right. too. You know, right. I mean, it's just foolishness. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm sure there's somebody who may see this video says that you are a privileged white man commenting on this stuff. I'm right. a good old American mutt. Right. Just like the, you know, the guy I'm looking at across from me, I, you know, I'm an American. And that's all that matters. White, black, red, yellow, whatever. You know, I have no issues with you having, you know, pride, you know, from whatever nationality you're descended from. Great. Sure. But it's, that's not, you know, that's not what makes America great. It's mm-hmm. the integration of all these different cultures. And that's what makes us great. And having the freedom to express that diversity, whether you agree with it or not, mm-hmm. is what makes us great. And I think we're going through a time now where we're going to have to learn to live with each other again with different, different opinions. Mm -hmm. I think all this mass censorship, this cancel culture that we're in is killing our democracy. It's killing our freedoms, whether people want to believe it or not. There's a great, I can't think of the guy's name. I used to be able to quote it almost verbatim. He goes, you know what happens after you're offended? Nothing. You don't get cancer. You don't fall over dead. You know, Nothing right. happens after you're offended. John Cleese, there's another video I posted on Facebook of all, you know, talking about people about the need to be offended. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the times we're learning to give people space, have opinions, you know, again, and, and learning to love those people again. Sure. It's that cyclical part of history time and time again, you know, where we're learning all this stuff again over. If you go back to, you know, after they founded this nation, they're talking about the Constitution. And they asked Benjamin Franklin when he comes out, what did y'all, you know, what did y'all do today? Or what did y'all create today? A republic. If we can keep this democracy, we might just be going through this process of where we're having to figure out if this, if somebody's over there, when people like the KKK came up and did something, people just ignored them. Right. Like less than a percentage of the population that's, you know, maybe 1%. I would be generous. I mean, maybe one, maybe 2% of the population that's white supremacist of the, of the, of the Caucasian population. 2%. Yeah. Were and we it, worried it, about them? No, because they were such a small minority. They were just over, just in, you know, just a fly on the wall, you know, a mosquito that you swatted away. And for some odd reason, we're giving all this attention to these voices that, just a few years ago, we just learned to just ignore. Mm-hmm. You have the right not to look. You have the right to not listen. Mm-hmm. You have the right to not purchase. And, you know, as, as if I tell everybody, I'm voting with my wallet. It seems to be more effective. When you I, know, it's, it's interesting, and I never really thought about it, but, you know, this is a lot like what happened, and I can't remember the exact label of it, but, but when Tipper Gore and, and that group EMRC. of yes, when the Washington moms, so to speak, got together and were basically like, nope, can't listen to that. What two live crew, D Snyder. Um, oh yeah. You know, all of that Original stuff was kind of resource center. Yeah. It was a big deal. And it's yeah. like, we completely forgotten. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, forgotten you know, I remember that was huge. I mean, they didn't have the little parental advisory stickers until oh, yeah. then. And, and 
Now it's right. now it's included in the artwork. Right. They don't even put a sticker on it anymore. They just print it right there with the album artwork. Right. And it's almost like a uh, badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. Or something, you know. I, I completely get it. Tying it into this song, mm-hmm. times like these, I feel like we're having to learn all this all over again. Right. This is, this is a time that we're, we're going to have to remember. Oh, yeah, we have freedom of speech, mm. but we also have freedom of choice. Right. Freedom of choice to ignore your stupid butt. You know, well, and and, and what's good for the goose is good for the gander and not right. not only one way or the other, you know. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, looking at these lyrics, you know, who is going to be that street light shining? For reason, is it going to be like a Joe Rogan? We need to find our middle ground. So something you you said earlier made me maybe stop and think a little bit. You know, there's there's so many people I come into contact with on Facebook. Most of them from high school and college and stuff of that nature. But there's been a couple posts that have really sparked my attention because, you know, they're representing a side that I may not agree with. But I had to kind of stop and message them because I like to do it on a person to person basis, not in this public forum. I don't think that helps anything. And I just had to kind of stop and say, look, I don't understand where you're coming from here. I think you and you and I, the the person that I'm in conversation with on Facebook, I'm like, you and I have way more in common than you're portraying this to be. And when we paint with such a broad stroke and such a wide roller, we that it's really a detrimental place to be. And I think that's what you're really kind of talking about because there's way more in common. You sit down face to face with somebody with a cup of coffee and I guarantee you're going to talk about things that, that you agree about and things that, that, you know, you're not, you're not giving humanity that you're not putting that human element into this discussion. Well, that's where social media parses us out. Right. And it does it on an algorithm type basis too. And that's another thing that I had thought about is, you know, like you were saying, your feed is feeding off of an algorithm that's like, okay, this person thinks this way. Let's just feed them everything in that box, like you were saying. Yeah. Joe Rogan had an excellent quote when he was talking, I forget who he was talking to. The, the, The whole new wave of social outrage that we are experiencing right now is being created by algorithms. Oh gosh. Yeah. I don't even think it's being, I don't even think it's being driven by human beings with an agenda maybe, but it seems to be, I mean, if you look at some of the interviews of some of the former CEOs of Facebook, I mean, it's that, you know, we talk about it in our song, mindless automatons, it, you know, you get that dopamine rush. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I got a like, Oh, I got a comment. Right. You know, you go back to your phone. I mean, this, you know, this right here is, is what's driving our society right now. We are trained, so trained to look at screens. Mm. You know, even right now, even though we are part and, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy, I've enjoyed our conversation prior to even the interview. Well, <laughs> And, and, and being where I'm at now in this, you know, ministry and in these, uh, you know, on, on this platform, I struggle with that because it's like, this is the base that God has called me to talk through. But at the same time, it's like, I don't like any of this. Right. And, and so it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's a, it's a, in some ways it, it's like, he has to just kick me in the butt to keep me going, doing this stuff. 
this is going to I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit this on a public forum, but uh, you know, last night at our show down in Huntsville, there was two guys there, uh, Will and uh, Chris Portwood, who you know they were in Brian, who's now our guitarist, you know, for Faithhead in their previous band, and I hadn't seen them in a long time, and uh, great guys. Uh, my point here is, is it was just good to give them a hug and see them. I mean, I just, you know, it was just how unnatural it was just kind of like, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I am going to make human contact. Right. People cause you don't know when it's going to be the last time. You really don't. I've been working on, um, I'm going to let this one out of the bag. I've been working on a song. I wrote the lyrics for it. Kind of got the arrangement. I don't have it. I say arrangement in the sense of how I want the format of the song to go. Mm Mm-hmm and it's a song called today is that day once. And I'm wanting Jason Beavers our old vocalist. I sent it down to him to kind of take a stab at it. Cause I didn't want to do it all myself. Um, come up with a, you know, some music and a melody, but I've got this song in me called today is that day. Cause you never know when's that last time you're going to give your friend a hug. Yeah, definitely. It goes back to almost a year ago and uh, I lost my long, uh, time childhood friend uh, Gary Evans and um, Gary and I had been uh, texting one another. He was trying to get another band off the ground and he was wanting me to play bass. And of course, I already had the Faith Head thing going. And, and, I, I, and Gary was a phenomenal talent. He was a he was a singer. He could rap like nobody's business. He was the best rapper. And um, and we were texting one another and we just, you know, hooking up and talking face to face when we could. Of course, he's had a wife. He'd just gotten married and uh, maybe about a year right before he died. And I got a message from Mike Creason from one of our mutual friends on Facebook that he had died. Mm. The first thought that came through my head is, you know, we'll never get to finish that conversation. Jeez. That was the first thought. Well, it wasn't, he's dead. It's just that we have an unfinished conversation between us about something that we love. And I was wanting to take, I was going to fund his next album. I was, I believed in him. You know, I just wanted him to make sure, talking about getting his focus right, you know, what the kind of music he's wanting to put out there. Cause I, you know, I wasn't going to be doing anything about weed or anything like that, but I'm like, right. you, it's like you, you're, you're, you're above that. You're better than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course he had, he had a demo that uh, he did that was great, but it had some stuff on it. I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to produce, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's like, but there's several songs here, you know, like he had a song called sacrifice that I had a version of that I contributed to that I got a recording of and it's, but I was thinking, man, after that, this is, you know, after the, we will never finish that conversation. We will never play on stage together again. I thought mm-hmm. there was time. I thought we had, I figured by now, I guess, you know, back then that, that I may be doing like a gig with him maybe once every two or three months as his, as his time allowed and my time allowed. But that, that opportunity is, is gone. And I'll never get it. I'll yeah. never get it again. 
I'll never get to be on stage with him again. Right. The time was short. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a young man. I mean, I'm compared to who, who you compare me to. I'm not young, mm-hmm. middle-aged man, you know, but. Uh, well, and, and I think, you know, everything that we've talked about in this, in this episode, you know, that's the number one word in this, in this narrative is time. And in a few short months, you see where the nation and everything has been taken and where our thought process is. And it all boils down to time. And what, <clears throat> what are you going to do with that time? Yeah. It's, it's a daunting question, but it's one that when we wake up every morning, uh, it keeps kind of going through my mind over and over now. Because it's like, you know, the first first thing that I thought of when I heard this whole COVID thing was, well, crap, we're all going to get it. And we're all going to die. Um, wow. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it, when you think about what the narrative was at that point, it's I mean, they, yeah, it's like, you know, two million people in, in the States. And I'm like, well, I live in Brevard County, which is the hub of, you know, so much with the cruise line and everything. It's like, we get a lot of folks coming through here, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, this stuff's going to spread like wildfire by based on what they were projecting and saying and stuff. Now I've changed my opinion over time, but, and there's that word time again. It's like, you know, the narrative of our lives, that is the one word that really kind of equalizes and dominates us. What's going to happen in the next five minutes let alone the next, you know, 50 years. Death is the great leveler of now, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it puts us, you know, puts us all on the same footing. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get dark or morbid, but, you know, learning to appreciate the time that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to get this song written and get it out there. Cause I, Today is that day, you know, in these times, I, I, you know, what is important to me, what I've learned, I've learned that I need to put my cell phone down. I'd like to get rid of it and get a flip phone, but it's just not realistic, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm going to learn. I, I used to read, I just used to devour books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would read, I'd be reading two or three books at a time and uh, I got a stack of them. I was like, I had every intention of reading these books mm-hmm. as I was packing them up to move. I am going to read these books. You know why? Because I, I'm an avid reader, mm-hmm. but because of life carrying me away, I have, I have unlearned to live in these times. And I think God is sending a definite, definite message to our country, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And just what does it mean? And I'm going to go back to, I'm going to, I'm going to get hardcore here. Jesus talking about love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? It's the person standing beside us. You know, there's a part of me, the punk rock element of me that wants to go out and not wear a mask, but am I being a good neighbor by not now? There's a, the American Patriot part of me is like, government do you have the right to tell me not you know where is the fine line what is the fine line between being a good believer and loving your neighbor 
and being a good patriot. What is the line there? Yeah. And I think you really have to search, you know, the spirit dwelling within you to tell you that, Yeah, you know, because I'm, I, don't know. I get you, I get you. I'm right there with you. Well, and, and, and there's one more point that I want to make um, with the whole neighbor scenario. You don't have to agree and you don't even necessarily have to get along right. to love your neighbor. And I think that's, there's something in the air that makes people think that's love getting along, agreeing, uh, following every narrative, doing all this stuff that that's love and it's not. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the one thing I just wanted to sneak in there. It's a hard thing for people to swallow that I can love you and not agree with your lifestyle. Right. You know, uh, I can love you, Todd, but you're going to have to cut back on your crack addiction that you have, you know, you know, you just that. pointed that out in front of the whole public. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to out you in front of the world, but <laughs> I'll let you go tell me to take off the Alabama hat, but okay. My wife's from Alabama and we're not going to go any further from this conversation <laughs> about that being from Tennessee. Not that I, I'm honest, I don't have a dog in that fight. No pun intended. Well, and I'm a Kentucky boy. So, you know, whatever. So it's a ball cap. No, that's awesome, man. So, so let's go ahead and wrap this up a little bit. We've, We've gone really long here, but this has been a great conversation with, with, with Patrick Shipley from Faith Head. And just tell us a little bit, like, what do you guys have planned? Do you got some, some, any kind of concerts at all? Any kind of tour coming up? I know it's, yeah. it's really iffy. So, Well, all of our festivals that we were scheduled for for 2020, they have said, make it 2021. Right. So that is currently the plan there. You know, there was a bunch of them that we had slotted that we're going to do in 2021. The, the next show that we have is chains unchained in, it was Aurora, but now they've had to move it because of the COVID thing to, to a venue in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's kind of a, the creme de la creme of Christian hard rock metal acts and the fact that we were asked to be a part of it as a of course it fills up, you know, as everybody wants to play it. And uh, we got to go this year because uh, the persuaded had to drop out. And there's a lot of bands that are having to drop out to be able, you know, to do show. I mean, there's no money there. Right. Band. Yeah. And, um, you know, we are, we're in a unique position to where we can, we can go because it's not that far for us. It's maybe eight hours. It's hop, skip and a jump. We're looking really forward to going to Chains Unchained uh, first time, seeing our guys from Bradford War. There's a lot of acts there that I've been looking forward to seeing for the first time, Becoming Sons, 13 Minutes. There there are several bands there that I've never seen live or shared a stage before with live. Um, And we've told them that we're planning to stick around. We're playing on a Friday night. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, We're planning on staying just to be there through Saturday and coming home on Sunday. It's well, an, and you guys have had a, a, a lead singer change recently too, correct? Yes. Uh, I was going to say, following up, you beat me to it. Aha. You get to, have, you get to hear for the third time live our new vocalist, Adam Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam's doing a great job. He's, he's, still, he's still got a few bumps in the carpet he's got to work out. But, you know, the problem is, is normally we would have some local shows in order to get him prepared for a big event like this. Sure. And uh, we've only had two opportunities. His mm-hmm. first show was a festival. 
poor guy. And, um, wow. And uh, then we got this local show last night down in Huntsville, not local for us, but local enough. And this will be his third. He's going to get off easy at Chains Unchained, though, because it's only a 30-minute set. Well, so it sounds like there's a lot on the horizon for Faithhead. And so... Well, there's only... Right now, after Chains Unchained, we might be going to Oklahoma in August. It's kind of up in the air. Funding is really the uh, big thing because we're not able to do live shows. Mm -hmm. So I think the next biggest thing for us is uh, Breaker 27 Studios down in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, which is just right across the line, Tennessee, Georgia line. We're probably going to do a live uh, concert, hmm. uh, a studio in studio concert, and um, we're. I, think I just saw one of those recently, and it looked like it went off really well the way they handled it. So, well, the the plan was when we were doing the auditions for the singer, we were going to have the the uh, the final three candidates do like one, do three songs, one, do three songs, and and we we're going to let everybody on YouTube and social media vote for who they thought should be the singer. Well, Adam was the last man standing. So it was like, well, I don't guess we have to do that anymore, <laughs> but I'd still like to, I'd like to be able to introduce him to everybody, especially we got a lot of fans that are just dying for us to come, you know, back to their particular part of the country that we have actually made it to like Oklahoma Sure. Arkansas and Florida mm -hmm. that uh, we would love to come back to. We want to give them an opportunity to see him and hear him. He's got a very unique voice. He kind of pulls back. You've heard the new single, right? I did. Yes. You know, he kind of, I don't want to say he sounds like Jason, but kind of in that genre of singer like mm -hmm. Jason, whereas Jimmy was a little bit more hip hoppy, but um, uh, it kind of pulls us back to our, our, our alternative roots. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm excited for everybody to hear him. He's a great guy, a great brother in Christ. Uh, got a very, very good testimony. And uh, I'm anxious for you to meet him. In yeah, definitely. Definitely. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're going to, uh, I'm sure we're going to have you back on, Patrick. In fact, this may end up being a two parter. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, I think I would I would break it down to like six 15-minute <laughs> segments. segments and cut out the uh, 45 minutes to an hour of rabbit holes. <laughs> well, you know, every now and then it's, it's fun to chase those rabbits every now and then. We're a bunch of southern boys, you know, heck. Yeah, well, it's like stupid. rabbit hole number one. <laughs> okay, now that we're done chasing that rabbit hole, that'd be funny. Awesome. Well, it's been great being with you, Patrick. Uh, you take care and, and we'll, we'll be, we'll definitely be speaking again soon. Well, I just, you know, like I said, I, I'm, if you, if you're passing through this way, let me know, let's hook up for coffee or something along those lines or dinner or something. But uh, I'm hoping there, there has been some Florida interest apart from, you know, what you and I are associated with and us getting back down that way. So that's the world we live in now. Times like these take us to this point. So well, that's it for this episode. This is Rockin' Odd Todd signing out. And everybody take care and stay safe. Put that mask on now. Later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Hopefully it was an uplifting, honest, and meaningful experience for you. We do accept donations. If you feel led to give to the Song and Verse Ministries, 
Check out songandverseministries.com slash donate for a number of different ways to give back. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We hope you turn into the next episode of the Song and Verse podcast. Until then, keep searching for the DNA of God's Word found flowing through songs.